ladies and gentlemen, the official spooky season is upon us. Happy Halloween. I'm Brandon Carney alongside Pat Gustafson. And uh, look, if you're listening to this after the fact, it may not be Halloween anymore, but we are recording this on Halloween. So happy Halloween, everybody. And uh, Pat, Pat, what are you what are you dressed as over there? You can see my ensemble here. For those that can't see, I've got the uh, the Trevor Lawrence wig and the headband. So we're, we're going pretty strong right now. What do you mean? You can't tell what I am? No, I'm I'm I'm, un, I'm I'm unsure. I'm Matt Patricia. Oh yeah, you know that tracks the pencil. So you don't just in the see the pen in my ear just... that I'm going to take out of my mm. ear for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> and you, I mean, yeah, you kind of just look like him in general, so that's not really a surprise. So it's been one of my um, like main personality. I mean, yeah, we're talking like right now. It's like, oh my god, Brandon's never heard this before. <laughs> this has been yeah. like a personality point for like a fucking decade. But I, I got to go on a quick Halloween aside here because like I was just at mm-hmm. my grandma's house and I was leaving. And, like, you know, I'm getting in my car, and, the, and these two women are obviously standing with trick-or-treaters. And this woman's like, oh, hello. I'm like, hello. She's like, I'll just let you know, like, there's a big group of kids right next door. And I was, like, this close to saying, like, really? I just thought you two strangers were standing in front of my grandmother's yard on Halloween by yourself. <laughs> like, do people think that, like, some people are just, like, a fucking, like, tar for brains? Like, I, I don't know what this woman thought of me, but it clearly, like, I've been irrationally mad about that. I know she was just looking out for the, the, the safety of her, um, uh, for her actual children, but no, no, mm. I don't care. I'm personally offended by it. So, Karen, should be I'm offended. the new Karen, Karen. <laughs> you should be offended by that. Look, some people just have no, like, uh, what's the common sense anymore, and, uh, that's just kind of how it is. So, yeah, I, you should you should write a strongly worded letter is what you should do. See, like my grandma was like, oh, look out for trick or treaters. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I was just about to put my blindfold on. Like, like, <laughs> like yeah. I, people are just are grossly underestimating me. And I, I'm here to let them know that they are pretty justified. Pretty justified, especially if they were to take a look at your fantasy football record. All right, let's get into the show here, folks. Uh, we always start off with Spooky. our little update. Our little update on our league. Uh, Pat can continue to call me the Minnesota Vikings all he wants, but we are now at a robust seven and one, dropping over a hundred points in the non PPR league again. So, look, if you want to falsify my record, feel free. I think you're unjustified in doing so. However. You do have more points scored on the year than me, and you're sitting at what four and four now four due four. to poor schedule. You know, Brandon, um, you, you sound a lot like Kevin O'Connell right now. Okay, okay, yeah. You should address as Kevin O'Connell for Halloween. I'd said I'm dressed as your underperforming quarterback. So that that, that that's yeah. yeah. Was that intentional? <laughs> like, was that was that why you? No, I just have I have two wigs that are easy to put on. It was either this or Patrick Mahomes or like oh, a Mahomes clown one wig. Is just ridiculous. <laughs> I yeah, I could have gone with the uh, the clown ensemble with the like the clown ref ensemble with the ref shirt and the red nose because I do have those and the green hair. But I decided to go with Trevor Lawrence, very nice man who I had the pleasure to meet by the way. Um, but yeah, Pat, I, I think yeah. as far as message for me here. Yeah, as as far as far as our teams go, um, look, I'm feeling pretty good. I have a team full of toddlers now. I, I've traded for Bijan Robinson, and now there's just uh, my team is I believe eight rookies out of 16 roster spots. So. Uh, look, that wasn't intentional. That's just kind of how things ended up playing out. And uh, I got to say, I'm pretty happy with my roster top to bottom. The only question mark here now is CJ Stroud at quarterback. But, you know, I had a question mark at quarterback to begin with. I had Justin Fields, so and he's still not playing. I I traded him away, actually, in the Bijan deal. So, yeah, I I feel pretty good about the team. Definitely still want to make some improvements because I think fully healthy. um, You know, I still like your team better than mine. I still like some other teams in the league better than my own. But, 
you know, I, I can't complain about being seven and one here. Got some key buys out of the way already, and uh, you know, hopefully pushing here for a playoff spot. Pat, what is your what's your plan here? What are you what are you how are you approaching things? There, you just kind of keep taking really, these tough L's. There's really not much I can do. I, I don't think there's really anything I can do here because, in theory, I'm in a good place, but I um. I don't really want to, you know, like kind of package something for an upgrade at quarterback because then I know then for whatever reason a guy or two gets hurt and then my depth is depleted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's basically just kind of keep doing what I'm doing and hope that, you know, you know, just some things keep falling my way. Like I think I dropped like 93 non-PPR points this week. Not bad. Like that's no, not, no, it, no, it should at least put you in the conversation, but it's just, yeah, Puka, Puka stunk. I... And I said to Brandon on Thursday, I was texting Brandon saying, like, oh, yeah, Gus Edwards. All in on mm-hmm. Gus Edwards this week, he's like, start him. And I'm like, well, who the hell would I start him over? So I didn't start him. I was that not second, expecting three touchdowns second from week Gus in Edwards. A row now he's, what, I think that's at least two touchdowns. And now I've got him in my flex spot. Whether Puka's healthy or not, um, yeah. Gus Edwards will be getting the nod over him. But um, it's so frustrating because, like, and there have been weeks where I'm like, oh, my team's so good. Like, this is finally the year where I can be like, yeah, like, my team's great. I got a shot. And now it's just like, it's just never going to be meant to be with me. But honestly, like, <laughs> that's part of the bit. And yep. I'm all right with it. Like, I finish between, like, 5 and 7 and 7 and 5 every year. And I would, you know, I'm getting there. I'm I'm in line for that. So, you know what? Got to stay honest to the brand here. Uh, but it's it's um it's maddening. It's, it is It is maddening. But luckily, yeah. I did not have to take my shirt off. There was a there was like a slight chance I would win last night, and I and I put it into existence that like if I win this, I would do this this shirtless. Uh, but I ended up losing by like fourteen. It ended up being so it wasn't yeah. even that much of a, a nail biter. But I believe what well, the situation was: you had the Lions defense up against Josh Jacobs and Devonte Adams, and it was like you were down going into that. But at first, it seemed like Lions D might have a night, and obviously Devonte Adams did absolute jack shit. Yeah, but Josh J- Jacobs well, ended yeah, up once Jacobs one in. scored that touchdown, my, my I just stopped paying attention to the game. And even as a Raider yeah. fan, I did not pay much attention to that game because they fucking stink. Yeah. Josh McDaniels is a terrorist. Jimmy Garoppolo is a handsome terrorist. And that's all I'll say about that tonight. I don't need, I don't have another rant. There's no I have nothing new to say. So that's all. That's all. That's fair. Yeah, I, I had to fend off a potential Monday night miracle. I, I was going I was up going into the night, had Sam Laporta facing Amon Ross St. Brown, and St. Brown was just ripping these plays off to begin that game. He had like 88 yards before halftime. I was like, oh shit. And then Laporta got into the end zone and kind of put an end to that little miracle comeback. So seven and one feeling pretty good. We will see what these upcoming weeks hold. And all I really have to say about my team in general is, uh, AJ Brown is fucking him that he is the most him out of all the players I've drafted this year. So thank you to AJ Brown for your just relentless consistency. And he's uh, been unbelievable. Absolutely in love with what he's done. But, Pat, we did have a a pretty significant day here today in the NFL. We had the NFL trade deadline. Now, a little better than usual. You know, there were... There were some deals. There were some big names move, moving around. I think the one kind of disappointing thing was uh, out of all the skill players that have been rumored over the past few weeks, basically none of them got moved except one, which we'll talk about, but mostly not fantasy relevant moves here at the you deadline. You don't need to do Donovan Peoples-Jones like that, Brandon. <sighs> you, 
yeah, you're right. Sorry, guys. This was all a big tease for the. Uh, we have hard hitting Donovan Peoples Jones analysis coming here. No, we do not. Different player that we're about talking it. about here. Genuinely that forgot it, about. Yeah. It, but. <laughs> Different player that's fantasy relevant. But I guess, I guess now's the time to point out too. Like people need to stop pretending that there is any trade deadline like the MLB trade deadline. It is mm-hmm. just. It's NBA's just pretty good. Everyone wants the NBA and the NFL trade deadline to be something. And like today wasn't bad. Like there were some subs- substantial moves, but there will just never be the blockbusters thrown around the way baseball is just because baseball is such a different sport. So many games, Mm -hmm. so many more teams, so many more positions, you know, a bigger farm system to work through. You know, you're just never going to want to trade super valuable pieces in, in other sports. Even if you're trying to tear down, like you've got five or so teams that with just full of assets to get rid of. So it's like, it'll never be this. Well, that, but like I said, that being said, that was kind of to my point where I kind of saw like a list today and I was like, Oh, like that's not bad. Like it's, it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, look, so the biggest names obviously coming from the Washington Commanders who are just absolutely tearing their defense down, tearing down their roster in general over the next, you know, offseason, one would think, given what they did today. So they got rid of first, it was Montez Sweat to the Bears for a second round pick. Of course, plenty of memery about the Bears giving up another second round pick here at the deadline, but I think this was for a slightly better player than Chase Claypool. Uh, a, a little bit of a weird move, I, I felt for the, look, not a bad move for the Bears. Montez Sweat's a good player, and you assume based on the capital given up that an extension is going to get done here, but still, you don't often see a team with the record of the, of the Chicago Bears being a buyers of a very good player at the deadline yeah. but I, I can't say i hate it look you're, you're trying to acquire good players this is they're in they're, i don't want to say they're in their window because we still don't know if they're going to commit to justin fields or not but like they got to stack up some decent talent here to build around it with whichever young quarterback they end up committing to yeah if, if they see montez sweat being a building block and they can extend him and him be a focal point of that defense for the next few years absolutely why, why, why not but yeah, yeah just looking on the surface to see like the bears arguably the you know, arguably the worst team, but uh, hello Raiders. But um, <clears throat> hello, you know, or actually honestly. buying a piece was was just kind of funny considering seeing, obviously the, the oh I almost just said that that R word the commander excuse me and mm-hmm. um and watch out get us canceled and, and the Vikings trading uh, some pieces away as well too so that was a little bit more surprising on that part. Yeah, but the commanders were uh, obviously not done there. They also this this was the big deal. This was the deal that I think headlined the deadline. Wow, great rhyme there. Uh, Just because of the team that acquired him, Chase Young, the other defensive end from the Commanders, going to a team that, you know, Pat, I think everyone would say really needed this guy, really needed some help on the defensive line, you know, really struggling. The San Francisco 49ers go ahead and acquire Chase Young. I was in shock. Of all the teams to get him, it's the San Francisco 49ers. And if this doesn't tell you that they are like, we are winning the goddamn Super Bowl this year, I don't know what does. Because this was was the ultimate win-now move because they shirt up, not even shirt up, put over the top a unit that was already really, really good. Yeah, yeah, you know you're playing with house money when you just say like, oh yeah, we can acquire chase claypool or chase jesus patch that's two that's two already god when they got claypool the too court. they're definitely winning the super bowl how many now. times Damn. will i fuck up today chase young <laughs> like and obviously luckily for them i guess the fact that he hasn't really been healthy in his career meant that they really only needed a mid-round pick to do it as opposed to trading crazy capital but mm-hmm. we, we've even seen it in the short spurts that clay Three. Chase Young, <laughs> holy shit! Chase Young is an explosive player. He's he was the number two overall pick for a reason. We've seen glimpses of that. It's just he needs to be able to stay on the field. But 
to, to put him with Nick Bosa, arguably the best pass rusher, and then Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave. I, I'm really sad because this kind of bumps uh, Clell and Furl to the bench there, but um, mm. but you know that's just you're you're playing with house money there. Like as as elite as Farrell is, then you know you you could still get an upgrade. But yeah, of all teams, they just didn't need to do it. But so it was just like the same thing with the McCaffrey trade last year. It's like they absolutely did not need to do it, but they could do it, and yep. I'm sure it's going to work out. Yeah, this 49ers defensive line is now brought to you by Ohio State. Uh, it's it's really unreasonable for them to do this. And the one thing I'll say, Pat, as a Patriots fan, we've got the Commanders up this week. Not that I necessarily want my team to win games, but I am excited to hopefully not see Mac Jones just get mauled for 60 minutes like he would have yeah, had they kept both of these players. So potentially uh, another win here for the Patriots, whether that's good news or not, I am uncertain. So a couple of other deals just to touch on really quick here. The Jags got guard Ezra Cleveland from the Minnesota Vikings for a late round pick swap, hopefully helping out that offensive line there for Trevor Lawrence and uh, look, maybe giving a little bit of extra time for plays to develop and get my guy Calvin Ridley some more work out there Who? god damn it i know for seriously um we've also got donovan peoples jones the aforementioned superstar himself to the detroit lions for a sixth round pick in 2025 look just a, a little depth piece i mean not, something that's going to fly mostly under the radar likely because of marvin jones pseudo retiring um it just gives them another downfield threat. williams being the worst player in national football league he, I, he he is Pat. Every time they target him, I like I clench my ass cheeks like seeing him try to catch the ball. It's so bad. He makes the most routine catches look so difficult and then he makes the difficult ones look no, it, impossible. It's painful it, to watch. And it's funny going back to the preseason people who were kind of fading St. Amonra St. Brown who were being like, "Oh, Jameson Williams comes back." Stop it. Yeah. Like, well, one yeah. St. Brown is just yeah. he goes beyond that. His his usage and his talent goes way beyond that. He his that'll never be in doubt. But but not just the fact that the other side of that, Jamison Williams, is clearly no threat to him right now from a performance standpoint either. So but yeah, a useless depth one. But uh the big one, and I guess it's it's almost funny to say, kind of the preface with it, that um a new new football terrorist Jonathan Gannon was kind of saying mm-hmm. how like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, Clayton Toon will probably start and everyone's just like why are they why are they benching Josh Dobbs? Like Josh Dobbs hasn't been bad. Like Josh Dobbs has kept them in a lot of games. Well, this is why. Because he's going to Minnesota to not start this week. Yeah, so I look, I'll be honest, the Josh Dobbs benching didn't strike me as like very surprising even before the deal came out, just because he did play pretty poorly at the end of their game this week. And it's one of those things where Dobbs has look definitely performed above expectations this year, but I still think has just been a better fantasy player than real life. So I, I wasn't shocked given some of the throws that I saw. You might as well mix it up. You're not winning games anyway. Um and Kyler's imminently coming back. Well, that's what I Maybe, mean, like that was maybe the more surprising part is that we knew Kyler was like a game from coming back, so why switch now? I guess I yeah, can see so that's from that the, exactly like if it was like oh Dobbs is not going to start this week and Kyler is, it's like well of course, but right. the fact that it's like hey we're going to go with one week of Clayton two and it's like why? Like unless Kyler's yeah. not a piece of that future, which he may not be depending on where their yep. record finishes at the end of this year, he may not be. But 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 yeah, um, obviously he's not starting this week, Jaron Hall, because I, I wrote this whole thing about the Vikings quarterback options in our show sheet. Yeah, you were throwing, I saw you throwing some Sean Mannion in there. Well, because Love realistically, <laughs> I thought Sean Mannion was the best option to start for them this week. Which is fair. Over, over Jaron Hall, you know, he's was familiar with Kevin O'Connell going back to Los Angeles. He started games before. Why not? 
So I figured, like, oh, that's who they'll start, and then they trade Josh Dobbs, and now it's just like, okay, Sean Mannion is staying on the practice squad. And they're going to roll with Jaron Hall, who did not get a lot of opportunities. I think he was, like, four for seven for, like, 25 yards-ish. And, you know, fifth-round pick out of BYU. Um, But they're going to roll with him this week, maybe to let Dobbs get acclimated. But I don't know what you think, but I feel like if they have... They're four and four. Like, they've, they've been playing some pretty solid football of late. And if they want to stay in contention, Josh Dobbs seems like the better option there. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a team that can absolutely still make the playoffs regardless. The back end of the playoff contenders there in the NFC are absolutely brutal. Like, we're talking about potentially two NFC South teams making the playoffs. So the Vikings have more than an opportunity to snag a wild card out there, even though, you know, Detroit is running away with the division. Um, yeah, I... I I would expect that Josh Dobbs will emerge as as the best option in this quarterback room. I mean, unless Jaron Hall. Look, we've been surprised before, right, Pat? We'll talk about him in a few minutes. But Will Levis just came out and torched torched the league for his first that start. That said, though, Will Levis had a lot more draft capital in one hundred percent. And you know, one hundred percent, a whole different hype train than Jaron Hall had. No, absolutely. But I Will Levis for the first time on Sunday. You totally agree. But Will Levis was still a guy that was viewed as you know raw, mistake-prone, not ready to start by any stretch of the imagination, and he comes out and fires four touchdowns. So for all we know, Jaron Hall could look okay this week, Um, and if he does, then maybe he doesn't give that job back. Josh Dobbs is the kind of guy that would be a great locker room presence either way, but I do expect Josh Dobbs to emerge and, uh, you know, potentially lead this Vikings team to a little little run here, hopefully. Well, I guess this also another first-team all-name alongside Sean Mannion is Nick Mullins, who, once again, we've seen start games and we've seen at at times look pretty good we've seen him at times look miserable but again he was the original backup going into the year so you'd think that when he's healthy they would want him to be the guy but needless to say they've got a lot of options there's obviously free agents Colt McCoy was another name getting thrown around because Mm -hmm. of his affiliation with Kevin O'Connell in the past so there's a lot of different options for them and I guess um if we don't have really any many other trades to look through, I guess this is a perfect segue into uh, rest in peace, Kirk Cousins, man. Yeah. Is, is, is easy it is as the clown on the guy for the you like that and for him not being able to win in prime time and for him not to be able to win a playoff game. The, the dude is just rock solid. Like He's kind of the guy where you know exactly what you're going to get in his consistency and his reliability. He's never missed a game in his career due to injury. He missed one game. And I, either 2020 or 2021 due to COVID. And like I think it's going to show that, that this team obviously was going to be far better off with Kirk Cousins, with still with a good chance to contend. Obviously, it's not like this kind of death blow that it is when it was like Chubb getting hurt. But like this just kind of sucks because, you know, Cousins isn't a spring chicken anymore. He's not a young dude. And we've seen Achilles really sort of, you know, hamper guys in their future. You know, again, we may not. Obviously, we haven't seen the last of Kirk Cousins, but we may not see Kirk Cousins playing at the very respectable level that he's played at for his entire career. I mean, Pat, what you're forgetting is all he has to do is listen to dolphin noises, and he'll be fine. That, I mean, that's true. Aaron Rodgers is basically going to be back next week. No, you are 100% right. I, Kirk Cousins, I think this year a lot of people came around to him. I, I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to, honestly, Netflix's quarterback show of showing the real personality of Kirk Cousins. We always kind of knew he had this goofy dad persona, but I think you got to see what a genuinely good dude he was behind the scenes. And then you started to maybe take a second look at some of his numbers and some of the circumstances he's had over the years and be like, you know, maybe he's not 
the Mendoza line for quarterbacks. Maybe he's not that. Maybe he's actually a, a decent chunk above that, which I think is fair. I think if you were to rate out all the quarterbacks in the NFL when healthy, he's probably like firmly number 10, which is above average, yeah. but you oh, know, yeah. still not going to approach that elite level, but still a very good quarterback. Um, it does suck. I, I, as much as I didn't think the Vikings were really going to do anything this year, I still, you know, I have fun watching Kirk out there throw to those guys. And uh, it's definitely a blow to the weapons as well on the Vikings fantasy wise. Look, I think getting Josh Dobbs and, you know, maybe a healthy Nick Mullins will at least keep some of these guys afloat, but the the ceiling is definitely mitigated Absolutely. for every single weapon on this team, that being Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, whenever Justin Jefferson returns. Um, you well, know, the running backs were kind of out of the question anyway. Which, again, um, the question becomes, for the Vikings, for Justin Jefferson, doesn't make sense for him to come back because I think when Jefferson got hurt, what, they were 1-4, and four, right? Uh, it was a bad were, record, whatever it was. Yeah, so I, I believe one and four. Maybe I'm wrong, but so the question was: is like, do the Vikings bring him back? Like, you know, this could be a perfect opportunity for them to kind of tank, move on from Kirk in the off season or whatever. But now they're four and four. So, like from a Vikings perspective, yes, they they need Justin Jefferson out there. But now it becomes like from the Justin Jefferson perspective, like does he see this as a as something that he kind of wants to be a part of long term? Mm. You know, maybe he could kind of make the Jonathan Taylor business decision to just kind of be like like, oh, you know, it's not progressing or like I need to go on the pup at the beginning. Like something like that. And I wouldn't blame yeah. him for doing that, but that just begs the question now, like, have we seen the last of Justin Jefferson this year? Have we seen the last of Justin Jefferson as a Minnesota Viking? Yeah, it's a valid question, and I mean, it sounds crazy, but the fact that that deal did not get done uh, before the season definitely raised some alarms. Pat, I'll, I'll give, I'll offer this um, as far as you know the Vikings and Jefferson's return and their hopes for a playoff push. Right, their upcoming schedule is not exactly a gauntlet that they have to run. So we've got the Atlanta Falcons, New Boo. Orleans Saints, Boo. the Denver Broncos, the Boo. Chicago Bears, the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, and, L. <laughs> and then we've got a tough stretch for the final four games of the year where we go Bengals, Lions, Packers, Lions again. Obviously, Packers not a major threat in there, but, but three the of those four getting, games are tough. But getting to that home stretch, they could be in a great place. They could really be in a good yeah. spot, you know, with so they have a great chance to finish I, above five hundred. But they're gonna need Justin Jefferson if they obviously you look at that schedule and say they should win all of those games up until that point. But I think they need Justin Jefferson to do that, especially with either yep. Nick Mullins or Josh Dobbs or Jaron Hall or whoever. I, th I still think they need Justin Jefferson if they want to be in a position to contend. Yeah, I mean, look, it is strange that they have rattled off, uh, what is it, three wins in a row here? So <laughs> without five. Justin Jefferson, um, that is kind of crazy. So, But yes, considering the quarterback downgrade that they're about to deal with, they're definitely going to need a player like Jefferson to keep that offense and a relatively productive level. So we'll see what uh, happens with this Jefferson situation. There are a lot of different ways it could go. As a Jordan Addison owner, I'm, you know, I'm like, hey, Justin, you know, take take your time. But also as a Jordan Addison owner, I'm like, this just kind of sucks anyway because Josh Dobbs is going to be thrown. I'll say this, though. Josh Dobbs did keep Hollywood Brown in a reasonably productive role yeah. the entire time he was starting. So who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll be just fine for fantasy purposes. But the Vikings are definitely one to watch here. Pat, they're were plenty of quarterbacks that got hurt this week. It was not Good just Lord. Kirk Cousins. Um, we had some absolute names popping out of the woodwork this week to sub in for some of these guys. So Matthew Stafford hurt his thumb, turned out to be a UCL sprain. Day-to-day, uh, -day, they're saying, could potentially play this week. Who knows? But Brett Rippon came in for him. 
Desmond Ritter went into concussion protocol, but also went into just suck protocol because he got cleared and stayed on the bench in favor of Taylor Heineke. I guess we'll talk more about that in a minute. Yeah, just rattle these off really quick, and then we can dive into them. Uh, Kenny Pickett was replaced by Mitch Trubisky, but Pickett says he expects to play this Thursday against Will Levis and the Titans. And then Tyrod Taylor got... Tyrod Taylor got hurt, and uh, yeah, who who came in for Tyrod Taylor? I believe it was Danny DeVito. I I, I believe it was Danny DeVito. It might took, as well have been Danny DeVito. I mean, yeah. They didn't let him throw the ball. Yeah, I, it's a, he, he compl- took some time he away from his uh, commercials. For no gain in negative one yards, leaving him two for seven with negative one passing yards. I saw I saw a great two where it was like, you know, Tommy DeVito, five-year starter in college at Syracuse and Illinois, and he comes in and throws for negative one yard. So, like, you know, the jabronis sitting there like, oh, I could throw for five yards in the NFL. No, you cannot. No. Or at the very no. least, your coaching staff will not trust you to, unless you're Marcus Mariota, maybe, and Arthur Smith, but that's beside the point. Oh, my God. But, but oh, and also, is this not like the second <laughs> Terod Taylor gets to start a game and then just ends up literally hospitalized? <laughs> yeah, yes. The poor I mean, guy has been through the ringer, and like the dude's not yeah. a terrible quarterback. Like I no. scooped him. I scooped him at like the at the the final hour before game started because they play the Raiders next week, and I needed a quarterback. So I'm like, why not Terod Taylor? Like, yeah, and ambulance noise. Like that's a SpongeBob <laughs> clip. Like, huh? What's that ambulance coming by for? And then just uh, it happens again. Like, it's all right. Go out and get yourself some Tommy DeVito. Now you'll be just fine. That's the NPC quarterback that was materialized five minutes before kickoff. Um, yeah. Look, just a lot of names popping up. It's it's that time of year where it just gets this chaotic, and you look up and down quarterback depth charts, and you're like. It's the, again, SpongeBob reference. It's the Patrick Starr meme of who are you people just popping up everywhere. Um, but again, a lot of these guys are healthy and will be fine this week. Yeah, Pat, I guess let's talk about the Heineke situation a little bit here because he seems to be the only one of these guys that is maybe, you know, taking over long term based on merit because a lot of these other ones, yeah, you may have an injury start here and there, but, uh, you know, especially with Tyrod's situation. But Desmond Ritter, it seems like. We may have finally been freed of Desmond Ritter, but not without plenty more Arthur Smith theatrics to make this as difficult as humanly possible. Yeah, you know, I, I talked about how like much I like Arthur Smith just being just this complete lunatic. He, the dude just wants to be Bill Belichick so bad. Yes, he does. And Absolutely. He can never be Bill Belichick because like this man is just lying to our faces for consecutive weeks. So... It, was Desmond cleared? Yes. So it was performance reasons. No. <laughs> it's, then what was it? <laughs> then which one was it? Yeah. No. It, it doesn't make any sense. And it, it to do this on the heels of last week, where you know people were rightfully questioning Desmond Ritter's poor play, and Arthur Smith referred to that criticism as toxic groupthink that's penetrating the locker room. I'm like. It's obviously not toxic groupthink if you pulled the guy after a half the following week. And now we're coming into this week and you're getting all the coach speak from Arthur Smith of, you know, is Desmond Ritter going to be the guy? And he's like, well, I've got to look at things, but, uh, you know, we, we still, we still like Desmond Ritter and we still believe in him. If you believe in him, he better be starting this week, but I have a strong inclination. He's not going to be, he should have just said, no, he never cleared protocol. That's that's a good point as well. More proactive yeah. than what he did with the Bijan situation. He should have been, oh yeah, after the Bijan situation, we were playing it safe. He didn't clear, and then it would have come around. Yes, he did. What is he talking about? Like, but, yeah, I yeah. I wonder when he's ever going to 
declare it. They'll probably do the thing where they list them both as the starter like they did with all their running backs in the preseason. But, again, not that Taylor Heineke's some kind of earth beater. You know, like, I think people kind of overhype him a little bit because of that one stretch he had in Washington, including that really good performance, granted, in a playoff loss to Tampa. But Mm -hmm. it's not like this guy's some kind of earth beater. But, again, we have seen so little from Desmond Ritter. Why, Why not? Like what's the worst? Like what's the worst that can happen? Heineke doesn't pan out, and you go back to Ritter. Like yeah, I, well, I can't see a situation here where it can it can be any worse. Uh, again, this is a Falcons team that is very much contending for their division. They're currently tied atop the NFC South with the New Orleans Saints at four and four, which is exactly what I expected out of this gross. division. Whoever's going to win it is going to be either barely above or barely below 500 given the the odd number of games that we have now i miss i miss the classic eight and eight that you could go the jeff fisher special so does jeff fisher, um, yeah. <laughs> yes um but no i i think taylor heineke i i expect him to be the guy and look he needs to be if this team is going to be potentially taken seriously in my opinion like taylor heineke you're right people definitely overhype him because of that stretch but desmond ritter has now shown me enough to tell me that he's definitively not the guy of the future i mean this was a third round pick from cincinnati essentially a dart throw quarterback because how often do you find your franchise quarterback in those mid to late rounds it's not often you remember the examples of the guys that pan out because they are such outliers but it there's for every one that pans out there are 10 that don't and i think ritter's going to be one of them that doesn't heineke comes in that offensive immediately has more life and he is the only option well he's a better option than Ritter to get them out of this place that they're currently in which is Pat they they are unironically the Minnesota Vikings they're in first place with a negative point differential of minus 23 that tells you that this is a team completely destined to make the playoffs and get roundhoused in the first round because oh, that's reg- what's going to happen regardless of who wins this division they're getting roundhoused at home in the playoffs <laughs> Right. I got Trevor Lawrence hair in my mouth. Um, I will say I think Taylor Heineke gives them the best chance to maybe become a slightly more serious team and maybe squeak out a win in the playoffs. This is not a Super Bowl contending team, no matter what they do at the quarterback position, unless, you know, the Chiefs accidentally hand over Patrick Mahomes in a paperwork error. But this is just, I think, their best option. And also, for fantasy purposes, as a B. John Robinson owner, or if you're out there as a Drake London owner or a Kyle Pitts owner, Taylor Heineke is the one you want steering this oh, ship because he is just a leading a much more absolutely. competent offense. Um, so I, probably, I'm optimistic. And Heineken's probably a better fantasy option than Ritter if you're at that point of desperation, which you might be because um, mm, the, Q, yeah. the QBs are bad. They're so bad. But, um, but maybe, but again, I don't think you're going to really need to worry about that anyway. But definitely if you're a London or Pitts owner, or even you know just like a Bijan owner, like you or John U. Smith owner, uh, mm-hmm. you want um you obviously want that offense to be functioning at a better rate. And like we said, at the very least, it's going to be the same with Taylor Heineke as it is with Desmond Ritter. It certainly is not going to get worse. It can only get better. And for a four and fourteen, like you'd think Arthur Smith would be all over that, but no, Arthur Smith just wants to be a dick. <clears throat> so. Again, just willingly making things as difficult as they can possibly be. And Us and our th- woke group think or whatever the fuck <laughs> he said. I like I think the worst part about it is, you know, if you want to be shady with your coach speak and, and not really give much to the media, that's fine. That's what a lot of people have done. But I'll tell you what he doesn't I'll tell you what he does differently than Bill Belichick in his endless attempt to be Bill Belichick. Belichick doesn't condescend. He's just short with his words. He's just oh yeah. 
only tell you exactly what he wants to tell you, and that's fine. But everything oh, Arthur Smith says is incredibly condescending, and it just gets old when your team is not that good. Like I, well, that, there's no platform for you to. Stand what happens on. when the Saints win that division and that guy gets handed a pink slip on Black Monday? Right. Yeah. No, it's it's totally a valid question. Um, I, I'm I'm a little sick of Arthur Smith's antics, so. Uh, We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening, but hopefully Heineke gets to keep steering this ship. Because as a Bijan owner, uh, I just want this offense to be something above, you know, depressing. Like it's it's kind of been this year. They're just they want to score the bare minimum points to win half of their games. It seems like so maybe Heineke can get them a little bit above that. Pat, we touched on Clayton Tune expected to start this week. Kyler likely taking over next week. I guess Pat, we could talk about Kyler really quick. Um, what do you expect from Kyler on his way back? I mean, I. If you are in need of a quarterback, he is an obvious stash. If you need, if you need one, uh, well, that's the thing. Just I would say pick him, him up. Like my friend told me, like, yeah, I just picked up Kyler, and I was like, he was available. Like, yeah, I looked last week. You know, when they were like, oh, like his window was clearing. I checked all of my leagues. He's been owned all year in all of my leagues. Like, if he's available in your league and you are struggling at quarterback, you have to, because mm-hmm. again, what's the worst that can happen is he's not it. And you go back to the drawing board. Right. I think the biggest thing. I think the biggest thing is going to be his lack of rushing ability coming off this ACL. Like that's. I mean, Kyler's not a terrible quarterback by any means, but a lot of his value comes from his ability to run the ball, and that you know that's probably going to be capped. That ceiling's going to be capped for him to run this year. I'm sure he'll still do some, but I don't think we're going to see this automatic QB one. But with the way, like, Sam Howell is the QB8, and he had a week where he scored less than one point in a full game. <laughs> it's because he drops these 30 bombs out well, of nowhere the, like he I'm just saying, did this week. Still, even with 30 yeah. bombs or not, that's how bad. If you are able to drop less than one point and still be the QB8 for the, you know, year-long points, it's not a good, it's not a good position right now. So... Yeah. Even if he's not this automatic QB one, that probably makes him the QB nine this year. Like, so again, like I said, I don't own any of them. I wasn't able to. There were a few leagues where I probably should have. I probably needed to, but I would, you know, you know, you know, cap your expectations just a little bit because I don't think he's going to jump right back to being this elite running quarterback that's lighting things up. And again, this team is still pretty bad. I'm like, let's. You know, we talk about how they've been scrappy and fighting. They're still one and seven. Like, they're pretty bad. So, you know, I don't think yeah. that a whole lot's going to change for them with him under center. So he still doesn't have, like, this excellent group of, of weapons to work with either. Yeah, well, Kyler Murray back in 2020 did finish as QB3. I think that's kind of the elite Kyler that people remember. But 2021, I think, more accurately reflects the kind of player you're probably going to get where he was QB11. Um, you kind of saw some of the more some of the bigger downsides of his game, a few more turnovers, some of those less explosive plays. And, uh, you know, with DeAndre Hopkins not there anymore, that's also another dynamic that we haven't really thought about because Kyler just hasn't been around. Um, you know, having Hollywood Brown as your one is fine. He's pretty good. But it's I think it's going to be a little different than, you know, fuck it, 
D hop down there somewhere type absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. Uh, but Kyler's still a guy that if you are quarterback needy is absolutely a guy that you should pick up. Guy that I actually had on my IR and I regret dropping, but it was in between, you know, I had fields and then I dropped Kyler and then I traded fields. So I would have kept him yeah. if I knew what was coming. Nonetheless, I will now live and die with CJ Stroud and we will see where that gets me. But Pat, another quarterback, look, if I want to take a shot at a different quarterback and make my roster nine rookies out of 16 roster spots, what I could do is go pick up Will Levis, who just threw four touchdowns in his NFL debut, and I will say has one of the nicer and just more jarring deep balls I've ever seen. When I watched him throw that first touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins, it looked like the ball went straight vertical and just completely off the screen until it landed in DeAndre Hopkins' breadbasket. Very impressive debut from Will Levis that I don't think anybody saw coming. No, and that's the thing. That was what he was billed as coming in was this super high ceiling guy, but also probably needed some time to develop. And I guess it just worked out for the Titans where Ryan Tannehill getting injured and then Malik Willis just not being very good. Sorry, Malik, that it's Will Levis time. And uh, again, you know, I was talking to the same friend I was talking to saying like that. Oh, like you think he's going to do the same thing? No, no. But with how bad this position has been, to see a guy go out there and do all of that through the air, he doesn't run the ball. So, like, to get that kind of day fantasy-wise, almost exclusively through the air, you have to go for that. You have to. And, like, for example, like, I will be going for him in, in our league. Like, I have the fourth claim. I do not expect to be sniped. I've done my homework. I do not expect to be sniped. So, it's like, I sh- I am going to take a gamble on Will Levis on Thursday night against Pittsburgh because... I have Trevor. He's on by. Trevor's been mid as fuck, as we've talked about. So even just to have Levis is a possibility. But, yeah, I think that, well, one, it, it seems like the fact that Vrabel has fully committed to him, you know, well, at least committed to him over Willis. None of this, mm-hmm. you know, platoon bullshit, none of this back and forth. Like he said, it's either Tannehill, but it's not going to be because he's hurt. So it is Will. I, that is a great sign. And... I do not see any way for the Titans, again, a team who can realistically make a shot at the playoffs here. Why would you bring back Ryan Tannehill right now for your current and for your future? Maybe he's a little bit more of, you know, you want that veteran presence in the run this year. But for the combination now and the future, let's see what you got in this kid. Because you could be looking at a huge steal getting him, you know, in the early second round. Because this is a guy that a lot of people thought was going to go fourth. This is a guy a lot of people thought were going to go to second. Yeah. And we saw why. But I'm sure we could be sitting here next week and say, boy, no kidding. Like We could see why Levis went 33rd or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be, you know, tougher times than what we saw this past week. He's not going to throw four touchdowns and zero interceptions every time out. But it was as encouraging of a debut as you could possibly have. I, I will say I was thinking to myself when Vrabel announced that he was going to do the whole platoon situation, I was like, how down bad does your team have to be for you to willingly go into a game and be like, we are going to use two quarterbacks? Because you are immediately oh, co- committing committing yourself to just a extremely low ceiling and honestly low floor from your quarterback play. Because quarterbacking is so much about rhythm and Absolutely. going through the game and making adjustments. If you say we are going to play two quarterbacks and sub them in and out constantly – that is immediately getting rid of any sort of rhythm you can have. Now, you could say maybe if Will Levis didn't play as well as he did, you know, Willis would have saw more snaps, but he still would have only run the ball. And then you've essentially just got the Derek Carr-Taysom Hill combination, which 
that does work because you know what each one is going to do. But the idea that Willis was going to, you know, also throw the ball in addition to Levis, I was like, this is going to go fucking horrible. Yeah. And it did not because Levis ended up separating himself and being like, hey, uh, I should play, you know, 98% of the snaps in this game instead of taking me out for this guy. Yeah, so and- Levis... I wanted Levis. I am glad to have the intel that you are going to be claiming him. So you will I don't not have to get worry past me. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. Good to know. Um, I had some other guys, I think, above him anyway on my claim priority list. But, uh, okay, I guess I'm riding with C.J. Stroud and, and whoever I end up poaching, if anybody, later in the game. But, yeah, Will Levis, definitely worth a speculative ad. Again, if you are needy at quarterback. Pat, I'll tell you who's not needy at quarterback anymore. Joe Burrow owners. Because this man... We may have jumped the gun a bit on Joe Burrow. Uh, He's back. I expected this to be something that lingered basically throughout the entire season. Just goes to show you why I am not a doctor. Uh, This thing has, his calf being that thing, has progressively gotten healthier, very obviously. And he showed this past week that I think he's back to 100%, if not at least 99 or 98%, because he went 28 for 32, 283 yards and three touchdowns. But more importantly, Six carries for 43 yards and was running all over the field. His previous season high rushing-wise was four carries for seven yards because that mobility was completely zapped by the calf injury and I'm sure the following trepidation about the calf injury, even if it wasn't hurting him as much as it once was. This is the Joe Burrow that we've seen for years. This is the Joe Burrow that can support Jamar Chase as potentially fantasy football's best receiver. This is the Joe Burrow that can support T. Higgins as a startable wide receiver too, or at least flex in fantasy football. And this is the Joe Burrow that can get Joe Mixon enough scoring opportunities to be a viable running back for your fantasy team. I think the Bengals are all the way back. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you've seen them, a convincing win against San Francisco. Like it, they, Anytime San Francisco would kind of start to close that door, they would just slam it shut. They... Did not give them a chance. Or yeah, I think that was the biggest indicator, like you said, was to tell that he was not well was the fact that he was not running the ball at all. Obviously, not to say that he was some kind of, you know, regular runner, but he could, especially at the goal. He's always been great at the goal line. But to see him actually do that and to be about as good as you can be through the air. Yeah. His performance was about as good as you can get there. If You know, we said, I guess you, you almost had to be patient with him because you couldn't trade him because mm-hmm. you weren't going to get any value for him and you don't want to sell low on a guy that you invested so much into. So you basically had to be patient. And if you were patient, you're feeling damn good about it now. Or if you were someone that bought low on Joe Burrow, you're feeling even better. Oh you're man. You're feeling even better. But yeah, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. As long as they get Irv Smith far away from the football as possible. <laughs> um, but for, for Chase, for Higgins, for Mixon, for that whole offense. And again, obviously Baltimore looks great. Baltimore has looked fantastic. But again, Cincinnati's very much a team that could get that top, you know, one of those top wild card spots and still be a contender come come January. So, yeah, who needs Irv Smith when you've got Andre Yashivash? Because I think he just catches a touchdown every week now, and his name is also incredible. And did not know it was pronounced that way. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that, the only. That. The only downside to Joe Burrow, and we we have an example of this in our league, Pat, with our most avid listener, um, is that he might have sunk your season by now. Because we are at a late point in the season where it's like, if you are sitting with one or two wins, you may very well need to win out. And look, Joe Burrow, like we said, is now ready to contribute toward those efforts of you potentially winning out and getting to the playoffs. But um, it's definitely been a tough season. It may be a little bit too little too late if you've had him in your starting lineup. If you could kind of keep your head above, if you're if you could have made it to four yeah. and four with sure. Joe Burrow, 
even three and five, I think you could still make sure. it because you sure. know you've got thirteen week regular season, fourteen for some leagues that play up through week eighteen. Oh. So uh, it's possible for you borough owners out there. Don't give up hope just yet, no matter what your record is. If it doesn't say you're mathematically eliminated, then you're not. So keep keep fighting and uh, go to the bitter end. That's what fantasy football is all about. Pat Joe Burrow has rebroken out. We had Jameer Gibbs fully breaking out for the first time. This is the Jameer Gibbs that people drafted and envisioned when they drafted him with, you know, a late second or early third round pick in most leagues uh, once we got up closer to the start of the season drafts because the hype was getting, you know, re- understandably high. Um, and then David Montgomery took the wind out of everybody's sails. But this was the Jameer Gibbs we remember went absolutely off against your Las Vegas Raiders last night. <laughs> Yeah, he, I mean, obviously he had a pl- over 100 yards of scrimmage last week too, but now he got the touches. He, you know, went over 150 yards from scrimmage. He looked amazing. Got the touchdown again. He looked fantastic. Um, I'm not trying to like pour cold water on this. Obviously I'm a Montgomery owner, but Montgomery is going to come back and he's going to be involved. Cause like you look at it, Craig Reynolds still got 14 carries last night for some godforsaken yeah. reason. But because, it will, again, Montgomery was productive in his role, at least at the goal line. So at the very least, you need to think that Gibbs's goal line capacity is going to go down once Montgomery comes back. But Dan Campbell has no excuse but to use him more. Definitely. You know, obviously, I don't think he's ever going to take control of this backfield with David Montgomery there this year. But they need they have no excuse but to draw up more plays for him. You know, whether it's, you know, kind of a creative play or throwing in the ball in the backfield or, you know, just getting in the ball in the backfield too, they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to do it. And I think this could be a real situation where there are two really productive running backs in this backfield because it can exist. We saw last year, obviously Swift was disappointing last year, but we've seen with the way they use two running backs that it can work, especially in PPR leagues, it can work, but... Again, the Lions look good now for taking him at 12. Like, this is uh, this is the kind of guy you look like you took at 12. And for a guy that's never been a huge between-the-tackles runner, he did a damn good job running between the tackles last night. So, But, again, if you were patient with Jameer Gibbs, you are feeling vindicated. You are feeling every kind of good right now. Yeah, I think you've probably got an RB2, at least back-end RB2, even when David Montgomery comes back on your hands if you are a Jameer Gibbs owner. Look, goal line stuff was never going to be his forte anyway, but if he can rack up yardage, and he's not going to rack up yardage quite like this. I mean, he had, what, 152 plus uh, 37, 189, if I can do math. Yeah, 189 total yards. Um, That's obviously not going to happen every week, but if you can get to, you know, 90, 100 on a regular basis, which is not out of the question, and then maybe mix in a receiving touchdown occasionally on a big play, like this is a guy that you are very excited to own. And, uh, you know, Jameer Gibbs owners, hopefully you guys weathered the storm, much like Joe Burrow owners, and you can now reap the rewards a little bit here for the rest of the season. Yes, David Montgomery is going to sour it just a tad, but Jameer Gibbs is here, and I don't think he is going anywhere. And yeah, I'm excited to see what kind of plays they drop. Pat, if I get any more of this Trevor Lawrence wig hair in my mouth, I'm going to scream, just so we're clear. But if I take it off at this point, my hair is going to look awful. You can take it off. I know. See, my hair is going to look fucking ridiculous if I do that. It's already, my actual hair is almost this long at this point. At least you have a haircut. I mean, like, because I'm stubborn is the only reason, but yeah, well, I, mean, I guess yeah, I'm not. <laughs> that's, what, that's what mine would look like if I, if I cut it fully, but I just, I'm 
stubborn and don't want to do that. Um, okay, I'm distracted. What do we have next here? Oh yeah, great. So from a really <laughs> yeah. exciting, from a really exciting young running back, Pat, that being Jameer Gibbs, we go to maybe the least exciting possible signing, but one that will be relevant for fantasy football, and I that is so too, yeah. That is Lombardi Lenny, Leonard Fournette, signing with the Buffalo Fat Bills. Lenny. Initially put on their practice squad, but with every expectation that he will be on the active roster by game day, at the very least by next week, but honestly, probably this week. Um, look, the, the, there were rumblings about this for a while, right? The Bills had been in the market for a running back. There were even Derrick Henry rumors, but there were Fournette rumors for a while. They honestly, they wanted to bring him in to work out, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. They finally did, and now they signed him. Uh, this is a team that wants a different running back to use on the goal line. They do not want to use James Cook there. That much is evident, even though I don't think he's been overly inefficient from there. He just hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities. One guy who has been overly efficient there, it overly inefficient there, yeah. is the guy that they have been using there is Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray, I feel like I see him get stopped at the goal line six times a week. So yeah, they're you, moving you, on and they're going you, to Leonard uh, Again, a spoiler for a viewer question. We're talking about basically red zone opportunities. And when I looked down your list and saw that he's only converted on two of nine goal line yeah. carries, I laughed out loud like that was yeah. all for a guy like at least let James Cook try it at that point <clears throat> like right. what, what do you have to lose this guy is you know not converting on two-thirds of his attempts here but but yeah again this unfortunately hurts James Cook's James Cook for a good deal <laughs> um just just from the sense that what what is Lenny gonna do he is gonna be effective at the goal line in short yardage situations and he's a great pass catcher even last year when he was terrible in Tampa because the run the rushing attack in Tampa was awful last year but they were able to get Rashad White and Lenny the ball uh, mm. by in the air and that's really where he's going to excel and I mean that's where we've seen Cook at least have some value there like that's really not his thing but I, I, I don't feel nearly as good about this duo as I feel about the Detroit duo one again just not yeah. quite as good players but just from the fact that they don't love to run the ball, and there is still Josh Allen at the goal line. There will always be yeah. that threat of Josh Allen at the goal line. No, Josh Allen will always be a threat there. I, I think, Pat, to me, this doesn't further damage James Cook's, Cook's value all that much. It's more about... You know, we've seen how inefficient Latavius Murray's been from the goal line. We've been begging them to use James Cook more. Uh, the snap count for James Cook overall has gone up, but the, the goal line opportunities weren't there. And we were like, look, eventually, maybe they'll give into it because Latavius has been so bad. Now they are just shifting yeah, that, gears. That They're giving that wash. work. They're giving that work to somebody else, that being Leonard Fournette. So I think, uh, you know, I do think Leonard Fournette is going to be a startable flex and at least in the right matchups just because of the touchdown uh opportunities he'll have in a high-powered offense but yeah this is basically take a look at what james cook has done take a look at his game logs and his numbers from this year and just expect more of the same like there's not really much room for improvement sadly and it does i will say the leonard fournette signing made me happy that i shipped off james cook last week um even though i shipped him off for another guy who doesn't play a completely full-time role being Bijan robinson but that james cook and justin fields for Bijan deal i felt much better about after this and honestly pat i made it partially because I thought something like this would happen. There was so much talk about them about looking Dalvin for another Cook back. as well. Uh, a yeah, lot of yeah, them trading for him, too. He stinks, yeah. too, but not but still. Yeah, a, a lot of talk about just finding a guy to fill the gap that I don't necessarily think there was much of a gap. I, I wish they would just give the full workload mm -hmm. to James Cook, but they clearly don't feel like he's ready for it. But Leonard Fournette should be a 
in my opinion, priority waiver ad this week. Um, another guy that I own for a little bit, but I dropped him because there had been no <laughs> recent news on him. No um, I own him like I own him like last week because he tweeted that he was going to announce his next team soon, and then he just didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> now he did. So yeah, I, Leonard Fournette priority ad should be a serviceable running back in a in a Lenny. good offense here. <laughs> Fucking fat Lenny, man. He's just he will never say die. He's also not that old even though he's it feels like he's really probably. old i think he's 28 and it That's feels like he's so. at least 34 so uh, yeah go out and get yourself some fat lenny if you have the opportunity to do so pat speaking of backfields that are changing or at least some interesting backfield trends we've got one here that i didn't necessarily see coming but one that does excite me because one of my many rookie toddlers at my daycare of a fantasy team is now zach charbonnet who after coming off of it, concussion, I can't remember. I know he was out for a couple of games. I think it was concussion related or at least injury related. Um, Zach Charbonnet is back, was back this week and turned it into five carries for 53 yards. And he outsnapped Kenneth Walker, who went eight carries for 66 yards. Now, both of those stat lines are very efficient. Those are two, yeah, you know, you, you you take that as in from a real NFL perspective in your backfield at the very least. And from a fantasy perspective, you'd take it if you could get a touchdown mixed in there. But it is interesting to see how this plays out because we know Kenneth Walker missed some time in practice this week. But if you listen to how Pete Carroll talked about Zach Charbonnet after the game, it doesn't necessarily sound like that was the entire reason Charbonnet played as much as he did. Yeah, that was like, cause that was my first instinct when I, I didn't see much of this game, but was when so much Charbonnet usage was like, Oh, well Walker must not have been, you know, healthy because he went from a like a DNP to a full participant like he didn't even put in the obligatory limited practice so I figured they were still sort of easing him back in but yeah those Carol comments are telling and I own a bit of Kenneth Walker so I'm uh, Mm -hmm. a little concerned because again still Walker is going to eat at the goal line is this team like I don't want to say this team is bad or even underwhelming but they don't they don't seem like they're five and two to me like they don't yeah. seem that good, but they've obviously they've been solid. They've been getting the job done. But uh, granted, this has been a good enough offense where Walker has been getting ample role at the goal line. He's been getting a lot of run, and he's been making good on that. But yeah, I think this is still going to be another situation where Charbonnet will be at least on the flex radar. Like I don't know if he'll ever be a guy that you can just kind of set it and forget it. Um, while Kenneth Walker is healthy, but. Um, Definitely, something definitely the most telling of um, of these kind of situations that we've kind of been watching these last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, it's one that it, it plays on something that we expected to happen at some point, right? It's honestly been a bit surprising up to this point that Zach Charbonnet wasn't involved very much. It's been the Kenneth Walker show all season. Kenneth Walker's been one of the best running backs in fantasy. We thought Zach Charbonnet, a guy who they spent similar draft capital on to Kenneth Walker the year prior, uh, would be involved at least in sort of a 70-30 type of split. Uh, Honestly, we expected it to be a little closer. There were people that thought Zach Charbonnet could take over this job sooner rather than later. I don't see that happening, but I do see this being enough of a pain to Kenneth Walker owners that I don't feel good about it. And if you add that onto the fact, Pat, that his, Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet's playoff schedule for fantasy playoffs is utterly brutal. Like to the point where I don't know if you can sell high on Kenneth Walker after this past week, because this was an underwhelming week, maybe you can play off the fact that he's been so good all season. And you could just say, you know, try to convince the guy you're trading with like, no, he was just getting worked back. Cause it was his first week back off of, you know, being, being on the injury yeah. report. Um, yeah. It, but his fantasy playoff schedule, these games, he goes up against the Cowboys. Well, I guess this is just the last 
what is this? One, two, three, four, five. I'll go the last seven weeks of the season just to get even before the fantasy playoffs. You've got the 49ers, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Eagles, the Titans, the Steelers, and the Cardinals. And hopefully that Cardinals game, that Cardinals game is hopefully not a part of your fantasy playoffs because that is the last week of the season. And if you play through the last week of the season, you're a bozo because of all the players that get rested. Um, But all of those are incredibly good run defenses. So you're talking about leading into the playoffs and in the fantasy playoffs, you have really tough matchups. And now if you are a Kenneth Walker owner, you've not got not only tough matchups, but a guy eating into his workload. Like I don't, I don't feel good about it at all. If I could sell Kenneth Walker, I would um, because I I just – look, he's going to have some better games than what he just had this past week. But when it matters, you may see a lot more of this type of game and this type of split with Zach Charbonnet who was playing on a ton of passing downs. So, you know, it's it's scary hours here for Kenneth Walker. Pat, another backfield here that we can jump into is the Cleveland Browns. Kareem Hunt, Jerome Ford, and Pierre Strong all involved. How do we feel about this one? I'm staying the hell away <laughs> from any of this. I mean, honestly, this came as a really big shock, more so that out of nowhere on Friday, Jerome Ford just, like, rolled up to practice and was like, hey, I'm here. I'm here to practice. Yeah. Yep. And then he played and played a very similar, played at a similar rate uh, as Kareem Hunt and Pierre Strong. I I hope that this is um, just based on the injury and trying to ease him back in, which I think probably might be more of the case. Because there's there's no way. Like, they haven't used Pierre Strong all year. Like, they didn't believe in Pierre Strong to the point where they went out and brought Kareem Hunt in instead of using Pierre Strong as the second guy. So, but again, not, not a, a terribly efficient uh, day for Kareem Hunt. But Kareem Hunt's getting these touchdown opportunities. Yeah. If I have to have anybody, I'm having Kareem Hunt. But if I have the choice, I am not owning or playing any of these guys. No, I agree with you. I, Jerome Ford was a nice little, you know, lightning in a bottle for a couple of weeks there right after Nick Chubb went down. But now that Kareem Hunt is back in the mix, it's basically pick your poison with these two. And if Pierre Strong is going to be involved, um, yikes to all of them. Yeah, Kareem Hunt is the only one that you'd really feel comfortable playing at this point. Maybe Jerome Ford reemerges as at least a flex play, but this this Browns backfield is just kind of kind of icky, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan. But Kareem Hunt, if he keeps getting these touchdowns, he's relevant at the very least. And yeah. Pat, your Indianapolis I'll, Colts, I'll take it from here. Yeah, go I'll go ahead here, here, Jonathan Taylor owner. Shane Steichen, what the fuck, man? Okay, setting the scene. Jonathan Taylor looked fantastic in the first half. I believe 11 carries, 94 yards, broke off like a 45 yard run. Looked great, all things considered. The man had two touches in the second half. He had a run for zero yards and a catch for two. He finished the day with 97 scrimmage yards after racking up 95 in the first half. Baffling. Absolutely baffling. And, you know, I'm thinking, like, what did he do? Like, was he hurt? Did he piss somebody off? And Shane Steichen goes, no. Game flow. Game flow. He's like, yeah, you know, we had to throw the ball a lot in the second half. There was a lot of points in the game where I might have turned to him where I didn't because we had to throw the ball. Where was he? Because <laughs> he wasn't. He was hardly in the game at all in the second half. First of all, giving the carries to Zach Moss when he at that point at the goal line when he had like 7 for 13 just made me want to explode because the dude was awful. It, at least at the beginning of the game, he ended up putting up a, a half-decent stat line, especially with the touchdown. But when I saw that comment from Steichen, I thought, like, 
maybe you wouldn't have been getting your doors blown off by Taysom Hill and Rashid <laughs> Shahid, my boy. Um, if you had Jonathan Taylor out there and were incorporating Jonathan Taylor a little more in the offense, maybe you would have stood a better chance in a very winnable game. You know, the Saints are no juggernauts, as we found out. They could they were very much in that game through the first half. And it's like, huh, what was the difference in that first half than in that second half when you were no longer in the game? I, I just I just don't see how, regardless of the situation, if Taylor was healthy and was not, you know, it was not disciplinary, there's just no reason for the usage he got in the second half. But at least for him to kind of just be like, oh, yeah, it's game flow, at least makes me confident to, you know, set and forget Jonathan Taylor this coming week. But just infuriating to see him look as good as he looked to almost literally vanish. Mm. So almost literally vanish was just infuriating. He still yeah. played more snaps than us. But I, I just baffled, baffled. Two, two things I want to point out here. One, I recall last week, um, after last week's games, seeing Shane Steichen talk about how Jonathan Taylor will be more involved going forward and how electric he is in the passing game. So th- yes. that he didn't follow yes. up on. The other thing I want to say is about game flow. Pat, this was not a two-possession game until 10 minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Like, this was a close enough game that you can run the ball with your all-world running back that you paid $16 million a year. That's not a viable reason to me. And another thing to point out, his one carry was the first play out of the half. (laughs) Oh, man. So he barely played for two whole quarters of the football game. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's because we weren't in the game. Why do you think you weren't in the game? Like, oh, yeah. I've never been, like, you know, I try to see past fantasy and, and think, like, oh, like, why would a coach be doing this? There's just no reason. Like, Zach Moss, again, Zach Moss has been really good. Zach Moss has been really good this year. The fact that we're even having this conversation week eight, the fact that Taylor did not just swoop in and take that job effortlessly is, is, a, is a testament to how good Zach Moss has been. But Jonathan Taylor was clearly the better running back in nearly any situation mm-hmm. through the first half of that game than Zach Moss. Yeah, I, look, Shane Steichen is much better with the media than a guy like Arthur Smith is, but very Arthur Smith vibes to not use your best players in situations where you should probably be using your best players. Um, Pat, you mentioned that you were less concerned about it this upcoming week, and that is because they are playing the Carolina Panthers. So that's fair. Uh, But look, hopefully they don't put up as good of a fight as they they just did against the Texans. Just just from the production standpoint, even if they had a tougher matchup, I would still not be sitting here going like, ooh, do I feel good about starting JT? Like, yes. Like, yes, I still do. We still saw him produce. You know, Steichen has not, you know, Steichen has basically said that this won't be a habit. Like, this yeah. this was conditional when I still don't understand the condition. It just doesn't make sense. But, hey, if he's saying it's conditional and it's not going to keep going, great, great. I got to take his word for it. Got to hope that that stays. But, I, I again, I guess talking about both of them, I think they are both very viable fantasy plays next week because Carolina is that bad against the run. They are. They have now... Um, surpassed the Cardinals now as the worst team against the run in the NFL, at least from a fantasy perspective. They are 32nd. So obviously Taylor is a, you know, forget about an RB2 kind of guy. Zach Moss is firmly on the flex radar, and I will be starting him in leagues despite in spite of Jonathan Taylor. 
yeah, not worried about it going forward. Shane Steichen is a good coach and has gotten a quite a bit out of this Colts offense this year, to be honest, when I don't think anybody expected it, at least not. Look, once we saw what Anthony Richardson was as a player, maybe we were not surprised by the points they were putting up. But the fact that he's kind of maintained these point totals with Gardner Minshew at the helm, uh, a testament to Shane Steichen being pretty damn good coach here, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Pat, how about we get into some waiver pickups of the week? This also, I'll say this. I want to get this out of the way because it's elephant in the room. This dawned on me. Um, the folks listening live, the 28 of you listening live, you get the benefit of these conversations. But I realize, Pat, we post this podcast. I mean, I post it right after we're done, but most people probably listen to it Wednesday morning when their waivers have already processed. So sorry about that. That's just kind of the way it has to be, <laughs> given where we schedule these things. And hopefully Which means sometimes. If you're listening, 7.30 live on our YouTube channel, 7.30 Eastern time. Right. Be here. That's, look that's, at Brandon in a wig. Look at me yep. having no hair. Yep. Um, I'm not wearing pants. It's, it's, it's a great time. YouTube.com slash at off the bench official pot. So come in and tune in live with us if you are normally a late listener. But to that end, um, I'm sure a lot of the time, hopefully there are some guys that slip through waivers that you could still pick up. I don't know if any of these guys will qualify, but we still are going to do a pickups of the week segment because this is a fantasy football podcast. So we've already talked about Leonard Fournette and Will Levis probably being two of the most popular pickups this week. Don't really have to dive too much more into why that is. Uh, but Pat, there's there are some ends out there that are that are pretty tight right now. There's some there's some not pretty tight ends. Yeah, not just yours. Uh, one of them was likely picked up in a lot of leagues last week because of Dawson Knox getting put on IR, and that is Dalton Kincaid. But now that Dalton Kincaid has shown what he can do without Dawson Knox fully, I expect him to be available in even less leagues after this week and this week's waivers process because he was a beast. Yeah, again, like I guess I called my shot last week, but again, I don't think I was like you know, reaching too far into the depths of fantasy football to pull that one out because he had eight for what? Eight for 75, I think, you know, but yeah, for him to just pop the fuck off the way he did. I said last week, he is a firm tight end one going forward. A firm tight end. Hell yeah. Um, Super firm. He is firmly a tight end one going forward. And this, you know, there's nothing else I need to say to, you know, to reinforce that. It is clear. He is, he's yeah. only going to get better and better, I think. I think we're looking at the end of the year. Obviously, I'm not looking at the numbers right now. This is talking out of my ass. That I think he can approach being a top, at the end of the year, a top five overall tight end scoring by the end of this year. That's how good I think he's going to be. That is interesting. So currently, he's tight end 20, um, at least in non-PPR leagues. But look, it's, it doesn't take a lot to climb up those ranks when you're getting exactly. consistent points exactly. and consistent usage because I'm sure the separation is not much. Um yeah, Dalton Kincaid, the guy that I am excited that I ended up picking up last week, despite being a Sam Laporta owner. Hello, more rookie toddlers. Uh, Pat, I was thinking about this. Like, I'm going to try to probably trade Kincaid if I can before our trade deadline, which is next week. Um, if nobody bites, nobody bites. But I was like, there's a world where I start both Laporta and Kincaid. Absolutely. Why not? Like, See, that's I, the thing. You, you're you're absolutely correct to try to trade him. Like, I've got him in some league. Like, I've got him in a league where I've got him sitting behind George Kittle, and I'm going to try to trade mm-hmm. him as well. But um, and even I've already been thinking like I could probably get some more name value off trading Kittle than right. and keep trading Kincaid. Kincaid and I'm probably going to try to trade Kittle first, but Oh, I think, yeah, I think Kincaid is absolutely going to be viable enough because I think he's basically going to get the production that the wide receiver two would get in Buffalo. Apparently his production this week came at the expense of Stefan Diggs instead of Gabe Davis. But I, I don't expect that to be a thing going forward. I, I think when I think within the next few weeks, I think it's, Kincaid is going to be firmly the number two option in that offense. And yeah, I 
absolutely would think at that point you could start him at your flex. Yeah, and I, I mean, look, starting two tight ends in a league where it's not like a requirement is generally a sin because tight ends are just lower upside players than receivers or running backs tend to be. But when they're tight ends that get deployed like receivers, exactly. what's the difference? Like Dalton Kincaid? No, honestly, like I, I don't want to like throw that big of a shot and say that like I think he's going to have be better than Sam Laporta the rest of the way. But I do Ooh. think, especially in PPR leagues, I think Kincaid has a much better floor than Laporta going forward. But we've seen Laporta be, you know, a go-to guy near the end zone. But, you know, we've seen some weeks where Laporta's had, like, three or four catches. But, you know, one of those catches happens to be a touchdown. Mm -hmm. As opposed to Kincaid, where we've seen a lot of weeks where he's had, like, five catches for 40 yards, where, you know, you look at the stat line, you're like, you gross, but, you know, know, in the usage. So, definitely a floor, but, yeah, I'm not going to call that shot. I'm not going to go that far to say he's going to be better than Laporta the rest of the way. But I can see a situation... I could see a situation where that does happen. I he is one of my favorite players, you know, week eight moving forward the second half of this season. I will say I am very excited to have Mr. Kincaid here on Sam Laporta's bye week against the 32nd ranked defense against tight ends in fantasy, that being the Cincinnati Bengals. So pretty much a dream matchup. Fire him up in DFS, fire him up in your leagues if you have the ability to do so. Uh, The other end that is pretty goddamn tight is Trey McBride. Uh, I had some people in our league joking that I was cornering the tight end market last week because at one point I owned both of these guys in addition to Sam Laporta. Um, But after what Kincaid did, I was like, I'm going to drop Trey McBride because there's no world where I need a third tight end and I also didn't expect him to do what he did if I knew he was going to do what he did this past week I would have held three tight ends and just figured it out from there but Trey McBride an even better week than what Dalton Kincaid had in fact was the tight end one on the week with 10 catches on 14 targets for 95 yards and a touchdown so first week after Zach Ertz goes on IR this guy pops off I think he's probably a viable tight end the rest of the way. I agree. I, I saw something not long before this, actually, where he was like one of eight players who was like a 30-30, 30% target share, 30% air yard share, and he was the only tight end. So that wow. that is okay. that's fantastic. That's yeah. a The optics on that are fantastic. I loved, I loved Trey McBride. I picked him in a dynasty startup uh, before the season started. I took him, Kelsey, and uh, Jake Ferguson. So I'm, I'm, I've got the ends cornered there, too. Yeah, but. absolutely. And again, I think that part of that at the beginning of the year was like, oh, we don't know about Zach Ertz' health. And then we saw Zach Ertz dominate touches. Now, Zach Ertz is obviously injured again, and I do not think we will see him again or at least see him in any kind of prominent role. Because, yeah, Trey McBride was a guy that, what, he was like a second or third round pick last year, I believe. He was like a a reasonably early pick out of Notre Dame there. But uh, let's find out while I continue to talk out of my ass. Let's see where where he... uh, where Trey McBride, 2022 second round pick, 55th yeah, so, overall. I mean, that's for, out of Colorado for Titan, State. That's that's really good draft capital, and we finally have seen that come into play. We've seen the um, the usage, we've seen the production. Yeah, at, at a position that is so 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 desolate, still. Um, you know, like I said, outside of Kelsey and Mark Andrews, like they say it every year, you're probably hurting. Again, Sam Laporte has been great. Uh, George Kittle's been inconsistent about his huge weeks. It's still a terrible position. It's still a terrible position. And I think he's absolutely a tight end one going forward. Yeah, the uh, the one thing to note will be, obviously, he put up this game with Josh Dobbs, who is out of town. Uh, but at the end of the day, that probably doesn't matter very much. It's more about the snaps and the playing time. And 
I also want to say this, 10 catches on 14 targets. The man's not going to get 14 targets a week. You're probably looking at closer to, you know, seven to 10 is a reasonable number for for a guy like him. But that's incredible, and that is more than enough to put up a good stat line here in the desolate wasteland that is tight end. And to a point you made about Kyler, like, his number one target is Hollywood Brown, who's like, yeah, he's been solid this year. But again, besides that, you're looking at, you know, Rondale Moore and Greg Dorch and guys like that. Like, Trey McBride could easily be, you'd think he would be the, the number two option in that offense. Yeah, it seems like it would only track that he would be. So Trey McBride, if you are tight end needy um, and you don't have a guy like Kincaid, you know, potentially go out and get him because I think he's going to be not having the ceiling that Kincaid probably has, but could be equally as solid for the rest of the year. Pat, another guy here that we got to talk about because maybe the breakout's finally coming. Maybe it's coming halfway through the season. Yeah, but I, I, Washington I, I, commander's receiver Jahan Dotson might be here. I want to circle back on that viewer question, circling back on our preseason <laughs> take of Jahan Dotson. Yes. For whatever reason, like I had a lot of free bench spots in my leagues, and I picked Jahan Dotson up in like two leagues, and I was going to in ours, but then I picked up you did Derek Carr and Tyrod Taylor instead, and I'm not happy at all about it. But yep. for whatever reason, I, I felt like at that point he had the most upside consistently out of guys I was seeing on waivers. Obviously, yeah. with all the hype, there was a reason for the hype. He looked great at the end of the year last year. It was a big thing in training camp. And, like, not only, because, like, I, I mentioned him last week. He had a decent week. And you're like, oh, whatever, five catches for 45 yards. And, like, yeah, that's not great. This was great. <laughs> this, this, was this was great. unabashedly great. Yeah, this was a lot. So, look, the five catches for 43 yards were season highs in both receptions. He tied a season high in receptions in that game and set his season high in receiving yards in that game with 43. The previous season high for him was 40. So, look, underwhelming numbers generally. Uh, But now we're looking at a situation where he has set season highs in receptions and yards in back-to-back weeks. And this week, he goes eight catches on 10 targets for 108 yards and a touchdown. That is better than just okay, and that is a potential sign of things to come given the talent that we know he has the reason there's a reason i drafted him with i think a sixth round pick in our league pad i I thought this was the kind of guy i might be getting it's tough i mean i thought this was a guy i might be getting um and if he's available in your league look take a shot is he the cam Akers of last year the guy that was getting taken so early you drop him like crazy but then he still ends up being a league winner like a Cam the second year in a row, Jahan Dotson's a league winner, but not, that's true. not even close to the way we thought he was going to be. No, Cam Akers part two, but without all the off-field drama, just more of the why aren't you good drama. Um, I'll say this. I was thinking that if there was ever going to be a time for him to break out, it would be after that memory going around of him being a holder. That clip was like, oh, I hope they use Jahan Dotson more, and he's a fucking holder in practice. I was like, the fantasy gods, if there were ever a time to break out Jahan Dotson, it would be right after that when everyone's like, that's rock bottom. So, And look, once you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere to go but bounce back up. So maybe Jahan Dotson, this could be a sign of things to come for him. I think at the very least, he's a speculative pickup. There's a lot of leads. There's there's so many leagues now where you can get him for free. He's only 51.4% rostered in ESPN leagues. Um, go get him. because And look, if he sucks, he sucks, and you just drop him again. But for right now, this is as high up. upside. It it, it's as high upside of a waiver claim as you're going to find at this point in the season, other than the other ones that we have already talked about. So Jahan Dotson may be here. And yes, whoever called me out in that viewer question, um, Hopefully I can tell you to suck it this time. There he is, David Lambert in the chat. Send me his trash canistan. There he is. (laughs) 
<laughs> Trash Canistan for Jahan Dotson. I love it. All right, let's finish things out with our viewer questions. Let me hit the fucking track right here. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. All right, our first viewer question is regarding the man, the myth, the legend, Will Levis. And this says, will Will Levis be the future of the Titans franchise? So we are already jumping into the hyperbole, but... Yeah, that's all, oh, that's crazy hyperbole. But maybe, I mean, look, okay, future of the Titans franchise is a lot to commit to right now. The one thing I will throw out after, you know, I mentioned four touchdowns in his first start. The only other quarterbacks to ever do that in their first career game were Fran Tarkenton, Thumbs up, and Marcus Mariota, thumbs down. Had you know a couple good years there, thumbs but up for a little bit, yeah. He he was okay for Not a little bit, but he up. certainly he certainly wasn't the future of the Titans franchise. Funny that there's two Titans quarterbacks here. Um, I think there's a better chance that Will Levis is than a guy like Marcus Mariota because Levis is doing it strictly, you know, chucking the ball. And so if he yeah. can mix that in with, you know, taking the checkdowns that are going to be there, I'm sure teams are going to be aware that he was only attacking deep down the field now and try and take that away. If he can combine this with, you know, some good decision making and, and build on this strong start, then it's a possibility. Uh, but I will say just temper temper expectations here for a little bit. I'm not ready to call him the future of the yeah, franchise. Yeah, I'm not ready to call him the face of the franchise the future of the franchise but i'm at least compelled to say yes like i'm not gonna sit here and be like no way no shot like right i could see it i at least think he's gonna be the quarterback through the year and probably their quarterback going into next year but yeah. you know three four years from now who the hell knows but i at least think there's a chance but again i'm not i'm not willing to crown this guy after not an entire football game no. Come back to me when he drops down. eight for in my in my lineup now on Thursday night. Come back to us when uh, he drops like sixteen, and then I trade Pat for him, and then he drops eight for me for the rest of the season. Uh, but look, yeah. at least a promising start here for Will Levis. We could certainly say that. This question, specific trade question, comes from Ben. He says, "Is Jacobs and Puka for Bijan and Ayuk a good trade?" I wanted to talk about this because I feel like Pat, this is a relatively even trade. Um, yeah. I think. I think I'd rather have the Bijan Ayuk side, but is it is it a fair trade? Yeah, I Absolutely. don't. I, he didn't specify what side he was coming at this from, so I don't know who he's acquiring versus sending away. But I would prefer Bijan and Ayuk. I, I do too, because as, as as much as I hate to say it, Josh Jacobs has been bad. That Raiders yes. offense has been he's so a, bad. He's been strictly a volume play. Has been so bad, and the fact that Bijan only has more room to grow in volume with what he can do, though. Again, like that offense. It has shown. They've had weeks where they've both been productive. But just of how good of an explosive and a player he is, with possibly growing volume, absolutely. And again, I've said it, Ayuk, I own Ayuk in four or five leagues. And he's been real solid. Uh, again, a, a bit of a volume play, but with Debo Samuel's health in question, with George Kittle either catching eight or zero passes, with yeah. very little in between, Ayuk has been rock solid. And I feel like you are getting a guy with such a higher floor than Puka as we just saw this past week. I'm not giving up on Puka because, assuming Matthew Stafford's healthy. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure. if Matthew Stafford is healthy down the stretch, yes, because Matthew Stafford has shown he loves this kid. Mm -hmm. But I just think at that point, you are getting a good combination of floor and ceiling. Yeah, when I, I agree. feel like I get us at the end of the day, Jacobs' floor has been in the negatives of rushing yards, and Puka's has been, what, four for 40? Like, mm. I, I think they're both very viable sides, very fair trade. You're not going to get any of your league mates complaining 
you know, whoever accepted either sides of this trade. Well, but I, you might. Well, yeah, Just because league mates are terrible, but, but yes. I definitely, if I was, if you offered me this trade, I would, if you offered me this Ayuk and Bijan side, I would, I would absolutely accept it. Yeah, I think there's a better argument to be made that the Bijan Ayuk side is you getting the two best players in the deal than the other side because I think at this point, absolutely, I think at this point a lot of people probably still have Puka above Ayuk. Understandably, I mean Puka was arguably the best receiver in fantasy for the first few weeks. Oh yeah, Bergs is saying that he it's his question and he's got Puka and Jacobs hit hit accept. Yeah, I would definitely hit accept there. Don't fault us if it goes badly, please. Yeah, I'm very fragile. yeah, it's like, you know, we talk about Jacobs being a volume play. It's like you take, you compare Bijan and Jacobs, and it's like basically taking one of the most explosive players in the NFL and one of the least explosive players in the NFL and swapping them. And which one would you rather have? I'd rather have Bijan. I'm not totally confident Bijan is going to get more work as the season goes on because we know who we're fucking dealing with here, uh, that being hey, Arthur Smith. You, Arthur. But at the very least, I'm confident that he will turn his, you know, 12 to 15 touches and hopefully more uh, more often than not into a solid yardage total whereas Jacobs it's like if he's not getting 25 carries you might be staring at a, at a five or six point total from him so yes definitely prefer that side of it with Ayuk and Bijan Robinson um, and then our final question here we t- teased it a little bit earlier about uh, you know the goal line touches so this question is it time to cut Pollard first of all cut obviously cut. not but I'm assuming I'm just going to interpret this question as move on from is it time to move on from Tony Pollard he single-handedly lost me two weeks this year so this question coming from the fruit picker um Tony Pollard <laughs> very funny what kind of fruit it. yeah <laughs> Tony Pollard has been disappointing again obviously you're not cutting him unless you're in a two-man league but this is what I want to point out about Tony. So Tony Pollard is second in the NFL in carries inside the five-yard line. He's got 10 of them. Brutal. He has two total touchdowns. Now, the stats that I'm about to give to you, Pat, these are not, these are not touchdowns on goal line carries. I'm just giving the two different stats together. Total goal line carries this year and touchdowns. So the touchdowns could be a, a 40-yard touchdown, but sure, either way, I course. want to compare the two things. Yeah, so we'll see one of them. What yeah, the they they, add up? yeah. They, they stand out here. So Tony Pollard having 10 goal line carries and only two total touchdowns on the year is alarming. Considering the only player with more carries inside the five than him is Kenneth Walker, who has racked up six touchdowns. Then you've got the guys immediately following Pollard on that carries inside the five list below 10, which are Raheem Moster. He has nine carries inside inside the five yard line with 10 touchdowns total on the season. <laughs> You've got then you've got Latavius Murray with nine carries on the goal line or sorry inside the five. I'm gonna keep saying this wrong. Nine carries inside the five. He has two total touchdowns. Ew. Christian, Christian McCaffrey has nine carries inside the five. He has nine total touchdowns. David Montgomery has eight carries inside the five yard line with six total touchdowns. So we are talking about Tony Pollard having a level of efficiency and touchdown opportunity or touchdown conversion oh, on no. par with Latavius Murray. Oh no. A guy who we said earlier looks like he is doing everything he can to not get in the end zone when he gets to the goal line. So Tony, look, this is this to me is a is a double it's it's two negatives on Tony Pollard. One, he can't convert from the goal line. And two, he's not converting the explosive plays to make up for the lack exactly. of converting on the goal line. Like the lack of touchdowns. Mm-hmm. They both came in week one against yeah. the Giants. Like he is not scoring the way you want him to. This yeah. is it feels like it feels like they are missing Zeke really bad, and I just don't know if I don't expect the touchdown totals to go up much for Tony here the yeah. rest of the year. 
he he has the current most snaps played consecutive snaps without a touchdown in the NFL right now out of um <clears throat> out of everyone um I guess I have to speak for him he's one of Pat's pals I think my big thing was that I correctly predicted that the opportunity would be there I just figured he would be able to pr- not be more. awful you at know people would t- talked about how like he didn't have the size and it's like well like Austin Eckler doesn't have the size and like right. but he's like we talk, like we talked to him when he was a guest on Off the Bench. If you're an NFL player and would like to join us, you know, email us. But um, um, I figured that the size wouldn't necessarily matter. Like, because like I said, McCaffrey's not huge either, and look at him. But for whatever reason, with Pollard, it just has. He just doesn't doesn't have what it takes to get into the end zone in so many opportunities. It makes me want to be like he's bound to, you know, start falling into the end zone a time or two, but. How can you say that when it's only happened to, you know twice when he's getting second most opportunities in the league? Like you just can't feel good about that. No, you can't. Um, I look. It's one of those things where when, whenever I get a question that's like, should I get rid of this guy? It's always okay. What are you going to get? So if somebody's willing to take Tony Pollard off your hands for a good return, obviously yes, you do that because I don't. You should think with any player. The, if any, yeah, player you should with any player. Fair return, do it. Right. I don't. I don't think the days are going to get any brighter for Tony Pollard if that's what you're asking. And knowing you know how big the Cowboys fandom is, maybe you got a Cowboys fan in your league that wants Tony Pollard that's, and will overpay for point. him a little bit. Um, so absolutely do that. Yeah. I sadly the 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 vibes are not good on Tony and uh, I'm glad well I can't say I'm glad I didn't spend my first round pick on him because I spent it on Nick Chubb but uh, I'm not upset that I don't own Tony Pollard we'll put it that way because he has just been he this has not been the breakout we've expected from it seems like some of his uh, energy has been zapped a little bit potentially from the surgery and uh, he's not scoring on the goal line either so it's been a tough one for Tony it's um Pat got anything left here for the people that was our final viewer question uh, no, but please don't ask about Pat's pals in any future viewer questions. <laughs> I will be accepting no questions about Pat's pals. How's Chris Olave doing? I just said I will be <laughs> accepting no questions about Pat's pals. Please respect my wishes. I, 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 do, I do want to say right before we sign off here, uh, one of our buddies in our league, Gary, texted me about Chris Olave because he's a Chris Olave owner, and he was like, yeah, it sucks. Like, I don't know what's going on, but he has the easiest receiver schedule the rest of the way, so I'm going to hold strong. Uh, and I said, you mean Rashid Shahid has the easiest receiver schedule uh, the rest of go. the way? Because this, I don't know what it is, Pat. It seems like Derek Carr and Chris Olave have just, like, the worst connection of all time. Whatever it was with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup that allowed them to have, like, the best connection, their little breakfast together that they had – Derek Carr and Chris Olave have the opposite. I don't know if they're eating like shitty Mexican food in the back of a car on Tuesday nights or what, but it's the opposite of this breakfast club that has spawned that great relationship because they have a terrible one. But 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 again, yeah, there is a reason to hold out hope there. Like yeah, like there he does have an easy schedule going for. You've got to hold out hope with that. Like I wouldn't move yeah. on just for that reason. But again, just all the signs were there. They and were, and they still are. Just like and that's Pollard, the crazy it's just thing. Not happening. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. The signs are still there. It's just I I also feel like every year there's one or two or maybe three players that it's like all of those metrics and analytics are there and they keep saying that they should break out and then they just don't. And that's why I mentally have simplified it a little bit for now to just they just don't have a connection. Like the opportunities are there, all that. And if they're not connecting, it doesn't matter. Like we've seen Derek Carr support Devontae Adams. Boating accident or whatever happened to Uh, Adams and Carr. Right. 
I, I, like we've seen Derek Carr support wide receiver ones in the past. So the only explanation for Chris Olave not doing it is that their connection hasn't been good. And that can improve. That can improve throughout the season, but uh, it definitely hasn't been very good thus far. So I would say don't, I don't know that I buy Chris Olave as a buy low because I keep seeing people say that, but I would say don't get rid of him and just, you know, kind of ride it out and hope things get better because, again, those underlying numbers and targets and all that air yard, prayer yard, whatever, all that shit is still there. So that'll do it for this episode of Off the Bench. Folks, once again, happy Halloween. And if you're listening to this on the day after Halloween or a few days after Halloween, happy November, folks. Hey, hey there, viewers, viewers, smash that like button if this was a graveyard smash. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Uh... As I say, I think at least once every two weeks. I'll be looking for a new co-host before next week's episode. Um, thank you Whatever guys. Whatever happened for- to my Transylvania twist? <laughs> thank you guys for listening. For Pat Gustafson, I'm Brandon Carney, and we'll see you guys next week if I don't get the fuck rid of him. Easy, Igor. <laughs>